goodness, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today is taken from the reading we heard in the book of Ephesians as we've been working through Ephesians this summer. We begin with a word of prayer. Almighty God, we give you thanks that you have united us together by your word. You have made us one in Christ Jesus. And now, Lord, we pray that you would teach us what it means to be one in Christ, how to love and serve and care for everybody that you bring into our midst. Lord God, we pray now that you would grant us your Holy Spirit, so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. Today, St. Paul entreats us to bear with one another in love, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Be eager to maintain unity. It is one of the sad ironies, I think, of this culture we live in, is this, this culture that prizes diversity so much. It is one of the sad ironies of our culture to realize the oft-repeated line is true, that Sunday morning is the most segregated day of the week. Denominational differences aside, the sad fact is, is that you, if you attend any given church on a Sunday morning in our country, you will see that everybody in the sanctuary, generally speaking, looks very much like each other, dresses very much like each other, and votes very much like everyone else in the sanctuary. On the surface of things, it would seem that what creates unity in the church is thus sociological or demographical. And I fear it's one of the great sins of the past generation that they decided we should capitalize on this phenomenon and try and reach more people in the right kind of neighborhoods to bring the right kind of people to our right kind of church. But if we learn anything from the book of Ephesians, it is that the Holy Spirit is not interested in a church that separates types and classes of people what unites us together in the church is not our ethnic background or our demographical situation, whether we are Jew or Greek, black or white, Native American or Hispanic, whatever the case is, nor is it class, whether we are rich or poor. What unites people in the church is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Unity is a gift wrought in the waters of baptism. Baptism into Christ Jesus, the preaching of the word of God, uh, the giving of Christ's body and blood in the bread and the wine. This is what creates and this is what sustains unity in the church. It is what has united us together with one another and with every other Christian who has ever lived. So Paul gives us this beautiful promise. Today. There is one body and one spirit. This is your call to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. What this means is, is that we don't get to decide who is a member of the body of Christ. Jesus does. That's his decision. It's his work. There's a really beautiful depiction of this in the new uh, sort of online television, online series called The Chosen. Have you guys watched The Chosen yet? Fascinating show. It's sort of a depiction of Jesus' ministry and how he chooses or calls his disciples, 
and begins to set up his ministry. They're only in season two. I kind of think I know where the series is going. Nonetheless, uh, it's a pretty good series. Uh, I will be honest with you, if you watch it, I can't give it a ringing endorsement because it takes a lot, a lot of artistic liberty. Nonetheless, there are some really fascinating things in this series. And one of the fascinating things to me in the series is the way they have depicted the Apostle Matthew, the, the author of the Gospel of Matthew. They have depicted him, of course, as a Jewish tax collector, and we know that from the Scriptures. That was his job. He was a Jewish tax collector. That means he was a Jewish guy who took money from his brothers and sisters and family members and neighbors and gave it to the Romans. So, like, he wasn't the popular guy in school. But what's interesting is they've also depicted him in the series as being uh, autistic. So he is very difficult for the other disciples to get along with. One, because they despise his vocation, and two, they do not know how to handle him because of his uh, autistic tendencies. And it's fascinating to me because you watch this, uh, the encounters they have with this guy, and you know that if the disciples, if it was up to them, if they were the ones choosing the followers of the Messiah, Matthew would not be within 500 yards of that group. But Matthew is central, and he is core, and he is key. Why? Because Jesus put him there. Jesus called him to be one of his disciples. Jesus chose to make him one with the other 12. And because of Jesus' decision, he is united with the others. That's how it is with the church. It's Christ who makes us one. You are one with everyone else here because Jesus has decided to put you here and has decided to put us here with you. You and I, we don't get to choose who Jesus loves. We don't get to choose who Jesus saves. Jesus isn't really at all interested in the sort of people you are comfortable sitting next to in the pew on Sunday morning. Jesus saves sinners. He is the Lord of the church, not us. He shed his blood, as we talked about last week, to destroy the wall of separation that would keep us apart. Jesus died to forgive you, and Jesus loves you. This is the gospel for us today. Jesus died to forgive you, and Jesus died to love you. And you know what else? He died to forgive them. And Jesus loves them. He chose you to be a member of the body. He chose them to be a member of the body. His forgiveness, his blood, his love, his choice, this is what makes us it creates me. But I don't know if you've noticed this in our world these days, but unity is not an easy thing to maintain. St. Paul says this today, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond Beautiful words. And it is a lot easier said than done. Because sinners have a hard time working together. Even sinners who have been baptized and forgiven and saved and united by Jesus Christ and are being sanctified by the work of the Holy Spirit, even us, we have a hard time getting along and maintaining the unity. So Jesus, being as gracious as he is, knows that he cannot leave us to ourselves to figure this unity thing out. It's not like Jesus saves us all and throws us in this room and it's like, all right, guys, you figure out the unity. I'll be back later to see how you're doing. He doesn't do it that way. Jesus is our Lord who never leaves us and never forsakes us. And so in order to create and to sustain the unity that has been given to us in the church, 
Jesus gives us gifts. And these gifts unite us together. So Paul writes, He who has ascended on high led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. Now, when Paul is talking about the gifts that Christ gives, what he's referring to here is what we call in our church uh, the office of the ministry. Or that is, uh, he has given this office or this, this vocation, this responsibility for the preaching of the word because the thing that unites and sustains the church is the word of God. So in order for the word of God to do its work, Christ had to establish offices to give people to the church so that they would actually proclaim that word that creates the unity. So Paul says, these are the gifts that the Lord has given. He gave the apostles, that is, the authors of the New Testament. He gave uh, the prophets, the uh, authors of the Old Testament. The evangelists, that is, those who go forth and begin and plant churches throughout the world. We can think missionaries there. And he gave shepherds and teachers, that is, pastors, to equip the saints. He gave them for the work of the ministry and for the building up of the body of Christ. So we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. In other words, those who are called and sent to preach and deliver the Word of God are sent and called to do so so they might proclaim the Word of God which sustains the, ministry, uh, which sustains the unity in the church. And Paul says this happens in three ways. These offices are established for three purposes. The first purpose, he says, is for uh, equipping the saints. That is the job of the pastor, my job. And it is a weird thing, by the way, for me to stand up here and tell you, here's what I'm supposed to be doing all the time. Nonetheless, this is where the text is taking us today, so, so we're going to follow it. Uh, but the first thing that it says here is that the job of the pastor and the, 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 the teachers and the leaders of the church is to equip the saints, to equip you all with the Word of God. So that when you go out into the world, you are able to discern truth from error, God's truth, which unites us from the errors and the lies and the heresies and the false teachings of the world, which would divide us and separate us from each other and separate us from Christ. The Holy Spirit gives us the tools we need. He equips us to know the truth, as Paul says, so that we are not tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, human cunning, and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. The way we like to talk about this here at Community Lutheran Church is we like to say that uh, you are here so that you can learn the Word of God. Hear, learn, care. We're not just making this thing up. It's right out of the Scriptures. But it's crucial for us to be learning God's Word, whether we're doing it uh, in Bible study with each other, in the morning devotions, however it is that you're in that Word. Uh, our responsibility as a church is to make sure you are being equipped with that Word. So I cannot encourage you enough Get into a Bible study. Be learning God's truth. And watch what happens as you come to that Bible study and suddenly you are there with your brothers and sisters and you are united around that word. You're encouraging and strengthening each other and praying for one another. And it builds these bonds of unity. So that's the first thing, the equipping of the saints. Second thing that the pastors in the office of the ministry is established for is to do the work of the ministry. These pastors, teachers, are called to do the work of the ministry. Is another way of saying to, to administer the gifts of God. I stand up here and my responsibility is to be an ambassador for Christ. Christ is the Lord of our church and he has a message for you. And it's my responsibility to give you that message. And that message is simple. Jesus Christ died to forgive you for all of your sins. You are forgiven. And you are free. 
My job is to stand here and hand Jesus into your ear. I like to tell people my job is the exact same as the bread and the wine on the altar to deliver Jesus. And it's when Jesus comes into our ears and when we receive him in the bread and the wine on our lips that we are united once again together as one. We are a common people, one body, forgiven and redeemed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And it is the preaching of that word that not only forgives our sins, that not only uh, uh, sustains us in the faith, it is that preaching that unites us together. So this is why it's crucial for you to be hearing God's word in worship. It's the hearing and the learning then that begin to produce the care, or as he says here today, for the building up of the body of Christ. It's this ministry of the Word, then, that builds up the body, that drives us and teaches us to care for everyone that God sends our way. See that? Hear, learn, care. It's not just a creative thing that we put on our banners outside. It's straight out of the Word. And it's what forms us as disciples in this place. Well, then the question becomes, though, what does that care look like? What does it mean to care for one another in the church? And I would suggest to you today that this care is shaped by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We love just as Christ loved us. And how is it that Christ loved you? He set aside his glory so that he might come into our flesh to suffer for our sins, to die on the cross for our salvation, and to rise again to give us the promise of everlasting life. You are forgiven, redeemed, and saved because God by his grace alone has done all of this for you, And that not only saves you and unites you together, as we've said, it also shapes the way we love one another. It, it, gives, uh, it, it shows us how we, too, like Christ, are to lay aside our pride and our, and our rights and, and our glory, whatever that may be, for the sake of love. Sacrificing of ourselves for the sake of the body, the love of our neighbor. It's this work of Jesus that creates this community and shapes this community. I think I've seen an interesting example of what this kind of looks like by watching the Olympics this past week. I don't know if you guys have watched the Olympics. I tend to really enjoy watching the Olympics. And for some reason, I really like the opening ceremonies. Like, part of the opening ceremonies always creeps me out. It always creeps me out when, like, they start singing uh, Imagine by John Lennon. And I always wonder, like, how did that become, like, the anthem for for uh, the Olympics. Because in that song, you know what they say? They say, imagine uh, there's no, um, no uh, what is it, countries? Imagine there's no countries, is that the line? And I always read, hear that and I think, there's no countries? There's no Olympics? Come on, you can think of that? Never mind. Anyway, uh, uh, you know, they have this song, and that part always creeps me out, but the part that I love, the part that I like is when the, when the nations walk in, like the parade of nations, you know this part, and they all come in and they're celebrating and they're waving their flags and they're all celebrating. But if you watch closely, you'll notice that they all celebrate in a different way. Every nation has their own sort of unique way in which they celebrate and rejoice and encourage each other and, and support one another in the failures and encourage one another in the victories. If you watch them closely throughout the Olympics, the different nations treat one another in sort of unique ways. 
Because the way they treat one another is shaped by their culture and the country they grew up in. The way they celebrate on their way in uh, to the opening ceremonies is rather unique to each country. And I think that's kind of fun. I think that's kind of a beautiful thing. But if you think about that here, there is an analogy to the church. Now in the church, we don't fly under a flag. We don't belong to America, and we don't belong to Canada, and we don't belong to Brazil or China or Japan or any of these places. We are under the cross of Jesus Christ. We have one Lord Christ who died to win us, who reigns over us by speaking words of mercy and grace, who always forgives our sins and who has laid aside his glory for shameful sinners so that he might draw us together and make us one. And it is that work of Christ that shapes the way we love each other, we encourage each other, we build each other up, we support one another when we fail and when we sin. We are the people who forgive we are a people who shows mercy. We are a people who sacrifices who we are for the sake of others around us. That is the sort of community, the sort of culture that is created by a Lord who dies and rises by his grace alone for the sake of sinners. We are not under a banner or a flag of this sinful, bitter world where everyone is fighting to show how right they are and vying for power. Such divisive and selfish attitudes have no place in a kingdom built upon the forgiveness of sins and made up of forgiven sinners. So the good news for us today is this, that you are one in Christ Jesus. He has united you together as one in this place, and he has united you together with every Christian throughout the world. We live beneath the banner of Christ crucified for sinners. And it is because Christ has done this for us that I have been sent here today to announce to you the very word that forgives you, sustains you, and unites you. You have been died for by Christ Jesus. All of you here today, you are forgiven. Because of this, you are one in him. Amen. Let's pray. We give you thanks, Lord, for the unity that you have created in this place through your shed blood. We pray, Lord, that you would forgive us for ever having a divisive spirit. We pray that you would show us mercy for separating ourselves from those who are loved by you. And we pray, God, that you would teach us to care and love just as Christ Jesus has loved us. Keep your word always in this place and unite us together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.